Watch the video version of this podcast at olderandwiser.com. We uh, we are just That's watching we are just watching Susan's eyebrows go up and down. So if you just joined us, um, she's she's got quite the uh, eyebrow going there this morning. Can you move your eyebrows independently? That would be my question. Oh oh, can you wait a minute? Here's the line. She raised one eyebrow quizzically. Remember that line? Yes, yes, of course. Yes, I think it was in every novel for you know a kid over twelve. And you had to learn to do it, I imagine. Watch. You had to figure out. Oh, she can do it, folks. She just raised one eyebrow with quizzically with such dexterity and accuracy. It's startling. It's a real talent. All right, let's get started. Hey, folks. Um, I'm Bob Bates in Los Angeles. This is my friend Susan Sakura, and we are. Older and wiser. And uh, this week Hopefully. we're looking at some news and some surveys and other stuff like that. So let's get started. I came across this interesting item in um, the Smithsonian Magazine. Here's the headline. Brain scans of dying man suggest life flashes before our eyes upon death. I was mesmerized by this story. Because, of course, like all people who get, you know, you get over a certain age, uh, you begin to kind of wonder, what's, what's it going to be like at the very end? Is this something yeah. you think about, too? I think about what it's going to be after I get over the very end part. You know, like, what, what is really there? What am I going to see exactly? Um, and, uh, but the I, actual I'm, process of dying kind of fascinates oh, me, yeah? I Well, you know... Um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. And and the scan said, what, that you, you your life flashes? We've heard well, Let this me tell you this story. Let me tell you what it says here. According to this, um, there was a, uh, they have the first recorded episode of a brain scan while a person is actually in the process of dying. This happened to um, an 87-year-old man who had epilepsy. So they were scanning his brain for another purpose when he had an unexpected heart attack and died during the procedure. What they discovered was roughly 30 seconds before and after the man's heart stopped beating, the scans showed increased activity in parts of the brain associated with memory recall, meditation and dreaming. So so these scientists were particularly intrigued by the presence of gamma waves, uh, which suggested that the brain may have been replaying memories from throughout his life. This is the I, first time they've ever documented this. I have a couple of questions. Uh, yeah. First of all, if the brain waves are still going, how long does it last after you've taken that last breath? Because I don't want anybody zipping me up in a bag to go out the door. And I'm still like, wait! Still dreaming. Still I can't dream. say that. Well, I, I, no, he, was, he wasn't <laughs> conscious of the world around him, apparently. But the, well, he could have been. But, I, but what they are, they, they are surmising by looking at these, uh, these test results is that the brain may be replaying memories uh, for as much as uh, up to 30 seconds or a minute after your heart stops and after you are um, officially dead. 
Okay. We've heard people say that your life flashes before you when you die. This is not, that's not a new concept. We, we have we heard that. And scientifically it, it, documented like this right. in this particular way. Okay. With this study, it said, okay, we can think about that all our good memories come back and our life. What if it's all your bad memories? I thought about that too. Funny you should What if say it's that. your regrets? What if you go, what goes through you is like, uh, if you believe in a, in a heaven, Okay, and if you're going to have to answer for your life, maybe all the bad stuff's going like, here's the review. Exactly. It's like, remember that movie, Defending Your Life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's think, no real way for them to determine what this what man is, was yeah, streaming. What's the as content? You, right. He, they, but they, they could clearly see that something was going on in the man's brain as mm -hmm. he was dying. And so the stories that you tend to hear anecdotally do suggest that the memories are, are, are more on the good side rather than a reminder of all that went wrong. So mm -hmm. they that, tell people report feeling comforted rather than terrorized by these this sudden flood of memories. Uh -huh. so, well, and, and that's the stuff you hear from people who had the so-called right. near-death experience, which is basically, or you died on the table and you came back. So I'm right. really dead. But I guess the jury's still kind of out on that. So, so our next item um, is about resetting the clocks. As you know, the Senate has recently uh, uh, passed a bill, I think this goes on to the House, to, um, to keep daylight savings time year-round. Apparently, Americans are kind of sick of changing their clocks forward and back twice a year, right? How about you? Out. Are you like that? I'm out. Yeah. First of all, even I know, and I'm not Miss Technology here, but a lot of these clocks on your computer, you don't have to do anything. It does itself. That's great. I'm a clock in my in, in uh, you know that I've got by my bed, that atomic whatever it is that sh shoots the time up on the ceiling. Right. That does, I I, I, I always watch it. I go. And there it goes. And it doesn't really change from one to two. It just changes from one fifty nine. If you got a cell phone too, your cell phone's going to change. I mean, the only time, only yeah. clock I had to change this time around was in my kitchen. I had to get up on a right. ladder and you know wind it, yeah, wind I'm, it back. Right. Um, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not in my kitchen that often because it was on the oven. And I thought, who you know, I had to do it on the microwave. Sixty one percent would love to just do away with the time change altogether. Thirty five percent want to keep it. Um, so maybe uh, the government is uh, on the right track. The majority seems to not care about changing the time forward and backward. I, don't I know. used to like it when I was a kid. Here's why. When you get to change the clock and you get daylight savings time, even though all the adults around you are complaining about losing an hour's sleep, like they're sleeping that well anyway, okay, but okay, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll go with it. When you're a kid, and this used to happen, I think, a little bit later, maybe April, I think, I think they moved it up, but just for energy conservation or what have you. And when you did that, you knew summer was coming. And summer meant no school, you know, school's over and you're out for the summer, whatever. Of course, as you get older and you have a summer job, if you don't really like the summer job, that's not so much fun. But I, you know, I like daylight savings time because I like it lighter later. Well, I remember a, a, an experiment in the 70s. I believe it was 1974. Yes. They did this exact same thing, and they decided yes. they were just going to stick with it. Uh, but it only lasted for a year because people didn't love it that much. I remember that time pretty well. And um, we used to have to go out to the, wait for the bus in the dark. Um, it was yeah. That's that's you get up where in the morning and it was dark and you yeah. even at the bus stop we had to take flashlights to the bus stop because the bus uh, didn't uh, 
didn't arrive in the daylight. Mm -hmm. I don't know how safe that is for kids to be standing at the edge of the road in the dark. Uh, that's the way you go to work. Also, the morning, um, isn't it hard enough to get up in the morning when it's when it's light out? <laughs> Yes, I remember. Yeah, I remember subbing um, when I did that some not that many years ago. But and then when it changed, um, it was I hated going to work in the dark. It feels like why am I up in the middle of the night? I know it would be really <laughs> yeah. difficult. According to this, um, the sunrise wouldn't come up come until eight fifteen in the morning or later in New York City in, in the worst part of it, uh, or Chicago or San Francisco, or till nine a.m. Uh, in other parts of the country, boy, for the sun to not rise until 9 a.m. I mean, you're at yeah, work that, by that time. You're, you've started yeah, your that, day. That sounds strange. I'm, I'm wondering about the um, um, the accuracy of that. But, okay, let's say it's true. I wouldn't like it if the sun had to come up at 8.50. Because, again, you're going, you feel like you're going to work or going wherever you have to go in the middle of the night. Little kids are on buses in the dark or waiting for them or... I, it's just the morning part sucks. The lighter later part is good. Our next uh, our next item comes to us from chainstorage.com. Uh, according to this, a survey reveals what customers, restaurant customers want and what they don't want. This was the one one of the, the elements here that surprised me the most. More than half, 57% of consumers ordering takeout or delivery prefer to use a digital app. Rather than calling the restaurant on the phone, people would much rather do it on their phone rather than talking to the, you know, the person at the restaurant. How about you? Do you like to Not surprising. Um, first of all, I don't order out that much. I generally uh, make my meals at home. I, I'm not a fancy eater. As you know, I don't really cook. Right. I do warm eat and serve is my favorite and recipe. And also, but, you're not someone who uses your phone for everything, which so many people that's, do. That's true, although I'm, I'm using it more for things. But I, um, if I want to do some kind of business, um, if I want to order something or shop online uh, or shop, you know, a cyber shop, then I do it with my, with my uh, computer. First of all, because the screen's a little bigger. It's not right. huge. Right. But, it's but, but, but do yeah. you, do in terms of calling, you're not afraid to call people. You're not afraid. No. Yeah. No. I have a little bit of anxiety when I call a restaurant, especially a busy restaurant, and try to make a phone order. If I've, I'm fine if I've written it all down and I know what everybody wants and I've got the side order of the brown rice and not the white rice and can you replace the egg roll with the whatever. As long as I've got it all written down, but if I just have it in my head and I talk to the person who's in the restaurant and they're very busy, I clench up. I, I start to panic that I can't remember it all or I'm not spitting it out fast enough. So for me, the digital app allows me to make all my choices nice and slow and, yeah. and, and then, then put it in. And at leisure. At, yeah, at least. And you can also process your credit card right there and add the tip and everything, whatever you're going to do, on the phone. And so all that you got to do is just go grab the bag. When you right. get to the restaurant, which yeah, I would think nice. I would think if I were ordering out um, a lot more and having it delivered, I would probably use my phone for that. Um, 
But sometimes you have a question about something because you I might know, see right? yeah. online and you go, is that a lot of chicken or just a little bit right, of chicken? Right, right. You want to know that stuff. Is how that much, spicy? How, how spicy is, it? is that? Can you yeah, make that exactly. not so spicy? Yeah. Or can you can you change that? You know, And if they're busy, they're not going to welcome that request anyway, no. either way. You're <laughs> going to say, you know what? We make it this way. Do you want it or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've all been to those restaurants. Um, but I this, think that, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think probably this um, mode of ordering food has, I would guess, um, been tweaked a bit more. It's a little yeah. more fine-tuned after the pandemic. It is getting better. The p- pandemic really changed uh, the use of this stuff. Uh, this mm-hmm. one is one thing that really changed, and this is using your phone to order actually in the restaurant. 67% of on-premise diners, diners who walked into the restaurant, prefer to order their food on their phones. And if you've been to a restaurant in the pandemic or since then, you know that almost all restaurants now um, have a uh, QR code on the table rather than uh, handing out menus. Because they figure there's a lot of germs that are passed around on these menus as you collect them and hand them out again. People have been handling them. I saw a survey once years ago, and it said that the dirtiest thing in the restaurant is the menu. Yeah, yeah. Which makes you think, well, just run them off on the copy machine and just get and throw them out. That as may you be. Go. I guess that's they may be doing it. that now. Again, yeah, some it people might are. Be a side effect of the the pandemic. It might be a byproduct of that. Is that they either run it off like that or disinfect them, which is more labor intensive. But but the the, the process for me of Scanning, I've gotten better at it, but the scanning of it and getting on to the website that has their menu, then navigating that menu in their website, figuring out how to order. While you're sitting there chatting with friends, uh, I just want to have somebody come over and just say, what would you like? And I'd say, I'll have this and I'll have that. And can you add the this and the that? Um, I'm kind of over the QR codes on the tables. Okay, and also, if you go to a restaurant um, with or without friends, and you're going to have a meal, the uh, the wait person may come over and you might say, you know what, I'm torn between the risotto and the fettuccine. What do you suggest? Yeah, and I love that. Times they'll say, you know what, they're, they'll always say, they're both good. Yeah. They're both good. Standard answer. But then they'll say, I really like the fettuccine. Right, which tells right. And you, that's uh, always helpful, right? Don't you think? I yeah. think that's good. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Because they're the ones they saw it made. Uh, a good restaurant will often um, have the staff taste a little bit of everything before they go out and uh, take orders and serve uh, so that they know what they're talking about. 79% say they are likely to order from ghost kitchens. I've never, to my knowledge ordered from a ghost kitchen. These are these places where you go online and this looks like it's a real restaurant, but the food actually comes is delivered from some third location where there's only a kitchen and they're just fulfilling these delivery menus. You know what I like orders. and I don't I don't use it, but if I were going to get something to go, um, the drive-through isn't bad because sometimes like for instance, near me there's an In-N-Out burger. I'm not a big meat eater so, but I've had them and they're good. But you somebody takes your order, they have what they have and if you say, "Do you have onion ring?" No, we don't have that. Well, we have french fries. Okay. So you put your order in, you drive through, it's relatively fast. There was always a line there throughout the pandemic. I never went by that place without. We still have a line in our internet burger, which is just close to us. Absolutely. So drive-throughs are. I think drive-throughs are still a thing, and even more so now since the pandemic. Four out of five, eighty-one percent respondents would order from an automated voice system built into a drive-through lane. 
I've never had one of those. Have you ever been through a drive-through and you got an automated person? I don't know. Is that it's sort of like McDonald's, but I think McDonald's has a live person. I, I have a live person too. Ages, so yeah. I don't know what they're doing now. But voice uh, recognition has gotten so good these days. I guess it's real easy now for people to place an order in an automated uh, window. Uh, mm -hmm. And if it's wrong, you could say, do it again. You know what I mean? You, we're all used to using our, our voice. My problem is if there's a hitch. Yeah, if there's, there's a, a hitch. You need somebody with to help. the machine. Then somebody's got to come and you're stopping the line and everybody behind you is mad. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, it's like, hurry up. Just get your burger and get out. These folks are also willing and interested in receiving food delivered by a drone or a driverless car. Um, also, never had that experience, but someday I would like to get my food delivered by a drone or a driverless car. In fact, whatever it is you've got to sell, let me know and I'll order it if it's being delivered by a drone or a driverless car. I'm just, I just want that experience. Okay, you do that and get back to us. All right, this next uh, item comes to us from the Daily Mirror. Here's the headline, your coffee order could determine whether you're selfish or fun. You're not buying it. You're not buying it. She's not unless, buying it, folks. Unless you're one of these people that has to have put the uh, put the whipped cream on that way and then put the sprinkles on it. And now you're not having coffee. You're having dessert. You're so. having dessert. And you're a little fastidious. This Anyway, this claim is made by Darren Stanton, a human behavioral expert, a former police detective, and a psychologist. And he, he, he says and he believes for sure that there's a deeper meaning behind every one of your coffee orders. So here we go. Let me tell you what, what he says. Lattes could mean you're agreeable, while mochas are flamboyant. All right. And latte, please define, give me the, the actual description of the latte. Well, a, a regular latte is hot coffee right. with a steamed milk uh, and it, with foam or no foam or whatever, but it's just coffee and milk, and, but steamed okay. milk. Hot so that's, that's closest to the one you would have at home if you made your own. Latte drinkers apparently are the most laid back of all coffee drinkers. They're agreeable. They're happy to go with the flow. They, um, I don't okay. know that you can read that. I, to me, a latte takes a lot of work. It seems like it's, it, it's not simple or laid back. It's, it's a complicated process. It's much more complicated than just a cup of coffee. Well, the easiest is, and I don't know if you skipped it, or is just plain black. Black coffee. Yeah, according to this, the um, someone who drinks black coffee is probably determined, focused, and driven. Yeah. Uh, and may be very self-sufficient and empowered, but can border on having a selfish mentality. I think you're. I think this guy is really pulling a lot out of a black cup a of coffee, right? Um, uh, let me say this. I, I probably own at home because there's a big factor in going out for coffee for me, and it's not even the cost. You know what it is? I would have to get dressed. Oh, well, forget oh, that. All right, I could do that. I would have to get up, depending on if it's darker light on the daylight savings time issue. I, that's all fine. But me getting in the car behind a wheel without caffeine in me, I'm better off staying out of people's way until I've had the caffeine in me. I think it's there's a there's a whole culture 
that evolves around coffee that's much more than the drink itself. It's about the feeling that you have when you're in the place where you ordered it. Yeah. Okay. There's a couple of things about that. I have a friend of mine who used to go out for coffee and I said to her, you know, it, you know, the, I mean, if you want to start, you know, counting your, watching your budget, coffee drinks when you go out are going to cost you a lot more than if you get a really good bag of beans. Oh, sure. And Coffee's expensive. And get a, good, get a good coffee maker first. Okay. Yep. But she said she went because she liked the interaction with the people that were there in the morning. There you that go. Makes sense. That's so that's it. probably good. Um, yeah. And I, I, I think for that, it's, it's, it's a good thing. When I was in college, I used to like cappuccino. Now, not every day, only when I was home for the weekends and it was at the Jersey Shore and there was a place called the Inkwell. And seriously, everybody was doing cappuccino. There was no liquor. They had, you know, it was guitar music. It was really dark. It was funky. It was, you know, hippy dippy and all that stuff. And even if we weren't, you went there when you saw your friends from, you know. So there you go. You're back to my theory that you liked the atmosphere and everyone else was having cappuccinos and you had one. You wouldn't order just a cup of coffee generally. I'm sure people did, but they probably got very few of those orders. So that's one thing. When I was in college on campus going to class, I needed that coffee, which was horrible coffee in a, in a college cafeteria then yeah. but i had it with a little milk or non-fat milk in it and some sweetener probably but even if i had to have a, a cup of black i would rather go to class with a cup of black coffee in me than a, than go to a class in the morning yeah. with no so you're, it's style versus function cappuccino when you're older, you're retired. You're gonna. You want to relax, and I want to relax in my bathrobe and do it here, and not get behind the wheel without caffeine. Right. I mean, there are, are, are well, those who would argue well that if if you were a real coffee nut, you would get a machine that would fix your cappuccino at home or or make it yourself. It's not like it's just it does require a more work to make these other sorts of coffees. According to this guy, a cappuccino, by the way, is more uh, a more adventurous drink, and it makes those who drink it. Uh, more fun. You're more fun well, if you I'm drink. Less fun at the inkwell. There you go. <laughs> but, I, but I have to tell you this. Um, I have a coffee machine that it, it's not hundreds of dollars. It was a it was a modest one. But the key ingredient for me, or the key factor on this machine, if I had to replace it tomorrow, would be that I can put the beans in and grind them right in the same machine. It's a grind and brew, right. and then I put the water in, and it's fresh there. It's yeah. fresh ground beans, and it's there. So yeah. I will spend more on ground. Uh, I will spend more on coffee beans, and I spent the money on the machine initially. Well, but that's that what they say. They have always said. If you can grind your beans fresh you're going to have good coffee however Absolutely. you like to have it prepared right uh wrapping this up there our, our expert here our so-called expert also says that if you like espresso you're no nonsense straight talking type of person espresso those are those are in the little tiny cups right the yes espresso. it's very strong very strong and you just basically do you sip it or do you you sip it generally. Um, it will be served with a cube of sugar, uh, preferably brown sugar, in for my taste, and sometimes with a le- um, with a lemon rind. And I used to use all that. You never get milk in espresso, at least not I never did. And I would use that as. Um, if I was going out to dinner and I did, I wanted to skip dessert, but I wanted something while everybody else is eating their chocolate mousse, oh. I would get an espresso. And I would put the sugar cube in because I figured it was only one cube of sugar, and I would sip that, and I, I enjoyed it. Do but you think it has the same caffeine content as a full cup of coffee? Probably does. I'm not maybe. sure. It might have more. I don't know. But you know what? At that point... 
I really, I guess you, I think you can get a decaf espresso. I may have had that. And if you're not thinking about it and it's not the beginning of the day, but the end, it probably doesn't matter so much. What is your <laughs> final thought for the day, Susan? Final thought for the day. Um, I think a good coffee maker that grinds right in the same machine is your best mode. And you can wear your fuzzy slippers in your bathroom. So you love your coffee maker. I love my coffee maker, and I love my coffee, and I have to have de- I have to have caffeine in the morning. That's it's always it. good to have something. Can't start to love the day without caffeine. That's, the that's, that's true. Yeah. All right. And 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 um, leave the clocks alone. Okay. I, I just. I mean, I think daylight savings time is a good idea, but you know. I not, say we give it a shot. It. I say I say I'm willing to go along with it, whatever y'all want, but. Let's give it a shot. Let's let's try a year and see how fun it is to wake up see what happens. in the dark for a little while. Might not be that bad. We might be overestimating how really terrible it's It's going. a little much ado about nothing after a while, That's unless right. you've got a heavy-duty morning. That's it for us, folks. We're glad you joined us for Older and Wiser for all the stuff that matters. When you're 50-plus, visit us at olderandwiser.com. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. Bye, Susan. Bye. Watch the video version of this podcast at olderandwiser.com.